Future of Finance podcast, where finance finds its future. Hello, I'm Dominic Cobson, co-founder of Future of Finance. My guest today is Mark Jenkinson, founder and director of strategy at Chetwood Financial, a five-year-old bank that tailors its lending and savings products to customers rather than the other way around. Mark, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure. Now, the company was founded five years ago, as I said, back in 2016. You started operating in 2018. Tell me how, that's a two-year gap, how difficult was it to navigate that path to an operating license? Um, well, we followed the, um, oh, sorry, Dominic, um, you've not asked the question now before you were asking then. Do you want to start again? Yeah, can we just check? Yeah. Maybe we should just check the questions. Because uh-huh. uh, I have got some crafted answers. I mean, I'm happy to free wheel, but I was genuinely yeah. not. Uh, okay, well, the first question I've got is the company was founded in 2016 and started operating in 2018. What was the path to an operating license that you took? Yes. And then I've got Chet was being backed on a large scale by Elliot. What do you like? Yes. Third is model is highly focused. There's sort of there's 26, yes. 25 yes. questions in all. That, that's the order. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry, I asked. You switched that into being how, difficulty of doing it rather yeah. than anything else. Okay. Um, so, but it's fine. I mean, it, but it, it, well, it, we, we we must start again, and um, just you know, first rule of being interviewed. However, I ask the questions, give the answer you want to give anyway. <laughs> I will. I will. Do. It's more of the. <laughs> Check checking the order if we're doing it in that type of order because no, it was. No, we're going to do the order. I'm sorry, I just asked it in a slightly different fashion to what you'd expected. That was all. Start safe, please. <laughs> sorry, Wendy, can we start again? Wendy. Wendy's gone to make tea now. Well, it's probably still recording, so we'll just start without her. Okay, so I'll just start again with the introduction. Of course. Hello, I'm Dominic Cobson, co-founder of Future of Finance. My guest today is Mark Jenkinson, founder and director of strategy at Chetwood Financial, a five-year-old bank that tailors its lending and savings products to its customers rather than the other way around. Mark, thanks very much for joining us. It's a pleasure, Dominic. Now, the company was founded in 2016. It started operating in 2018. What was the path you took to obtaining an operating license? So um, we started lending under a, our first brand live lend. At the time, we were under a uh, restricted bank license. So our full permissions were granted at the end of 2018, which saw the launch of our savings product, SmartSafe. Um, so, yes, it's a, I, I, think, I think we did it in a slightly different way to most who tried to get a license, then they take deposits. We sort of reversed that and did it the other way around. Now, Chetwood's been backed and on quite a large scale and from an early stage by the New York City-based hedge fund group, Elliott. What is it they liked most about your model? As ever, it's a combination of things. But I think reflecting back, um, it was a combination of the business model. Um, They liked the use of uh, uh, new technology, new cloud-based technology at the time. Um, and, And I guess I would say this, but... Um, I think the strong and experienced team that we put together at the beginning, um, I think they felt that was um, different and it wasn't what I call lopsided. It had a mixture of good 
deep industry in banking and, and technology in there as well. So that combined with, a, I think, a slightly different business model attracted them. As I, I said at the outset, your model is uh, a highly focused one in terms of the types of clients you want to attract. Can you describe in a bit more detail what your target client type or types are? Yeah. Um, well, we set out to create products for underserved customers, and our purpose is to make customers better off through technology. Um, so we operate where we see groups of customers who are either not getting access to products or where ultimately we believe we can do a better job. Because of the way we've set up our technology, we can be really targeted in our approach at a really low cost. Um, our current brands, Live Loan, Better Borrow, Wave as a credit card, Smart Save as a savings um, um, franchise have very different segments from clearly near prime and prime lending to customers who are effectively super prime savings customers. And how exactly do you filter the customers to get exactly at the ones that you want? Where do you get the data to choose between customer types? Yeah. Um, well, for us, unsecured lending products, live loan, best borrow, and credit, our credit card wave, we work closely with digital distributors. So, for example, the likes of a ClearScore, Totally Money, uh, Experian, Money Supermarket. Um, and we're able to make use of the data that they're able to pass to us to select the customers we think are best fit for our products, um, the ones that we can do a better job for, the ones that uh, we believe are, are our target and what we're actually aiming at. And the data sources, they're from those um, price comparison sites and other places that you were referred to? Yeah, it's a combination of we use, um, we've got a clearly got all, all our own decisioning models, um, but the first point of entry is, is, the, is the digital distributors. What's good about that model is these distributors are now getting more sophisticated in the data they have. A lot of them now are connected into open banking. Um, and that, that pay packet, that pay, payload packet that comes down to us now has a lot of information in that allows us to do um, do that selection, which allows us to price and give a real rate, a real price back to, to the distributors in, in effect under a second. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is, that is how modern day digital distribution of financial services is now starting to work. Mm -hmm. And when you refer to, to, open, to, the, to these digital distributors having access to open data, you mean they're starting to see uh, not just their own data from their own relationship with that customer, but from that customer's relationships with other financial institutions as well. Is that what that means? Yes, it is. It's, um, so whilst it may have felt like it's taken some time because we've been talking about open banking for, for a while now, um, I think it's starting to get positioned in the value chain in, in some of the right places. Um, if you see the likes of uh, the digital distributors who have the relationship with the customer at, at the point, they're the guys creating uh, um, well-being apps in terms of financial services. They're the ones that are doing the advertising. They're attracting the customer in. Um, and in that journey, when they've built that relationship, they're able to gather that, that trust in terms of using open banking then to, to share more data. They can do it on a, a trust equation, which says, if you give us access to open banking, then we can get you better offers for product. And we're that product provider who's using that extra data 
um, to, to, to give a better decision or a better outcome to those customers. Right. So by the time a, you've taken on a customer, you've got a pretty good understanding of, of who they are, so you can tailor the, the, the service to them pretty exactly. But so I can see the upside of that. Is there, a, is there a downside to being quite so focused in terms of customers? Does it limit, for example, the size of the market you can address? Um, I don't think so. I think the, um, the market we're operating in, prime, near prime on the lending side, it is pretty vast in this country. And let's be honest, what's happened over the last few years has probably made the, that market a, a bigger market. It's probably more of Britain than people actually, people actually understand. Now, you mentioned uh, your, your, a few minutes ago your, your products, Live Lend, Better Borrow, Smart Save. I'd like to know a little bit more about that. Could we start by talking about the, the lending products? Could you tell me what the difference is between the Live Lend and the Better Borrow products? Yeah, LiveLend was our first unsecured lending product. Um, the rate on the loan reduces in line with improvements in a customer's credit score. Um, Better Borrow is a standard fixed rate product, which still offers a, a pre-approved real rate loan um, and, and all the digital self-service capabilities. So there is a difference. Um, and we, we see the people who tend to go for the LiveLend product are those that are are understanding their credit score in the sense that they may have a, a lower than normal credit score, but they expect to get better in, in a relatively short period of time and want to take the opportunity to, to um, effectively get rewarded for that and see an improvement in their rates. And the saving product, the smart save product? Yeah. Um, so our smart save product is um, a range of fixed term deposits. We can come in and out of the market like a lot of uh, deposit franchises do. Um, it's distributed primarily by, um, by, by press. It gets into the, the best buy tables. Uh, and we use that in effect to, to, to fund the lending side. Mm -hmm. um, and, that, and that's sort of a, with, with an FSCS protection on that, that's how the, the market works. We don't pay for customers in that world. Um, they, they find us through, through, those, um, through those rate tables. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I'll come back to that, that um, funding question in a second, but could I just clarify one thing about SmartSave? It's an entirely retail product, is it? Corporates can't use it? It's entirely retail, yes. Okay. Now, are you planning also to expand the set of savings lending products you have? Do you want to get into the mortgage business, for example? Uh, as a product manufacturer, we're constantly looking at the, the next product. I'm sure you'll see in the not-too-distant future extensions, I think, to our savings product range. Uh, and whilst not an official, uh, an official thing at the moment, it seems logical at some point we would uh, check whether we get into delivering mortgage products as well. Um, we're also exploring lots of different innovative products with, with some of our potential banking as a partner, uh, banking as a service partners. And do you think you're going to have to do anything differently if you do expand the product set? Um, we've a pretty good tried and tested approach to um, researching, designing and building products. So we won't drift too far from that. Um, but each new challenge is different, um, and as long as we stick to the principles we have set out, then I think we'll be okay. I don't see it as being too different. It's one of the things as a product manufacturer you do is your playbook and your approach to this, which really does start with that 
primary customer research and understanding of the market and using that data all the way through your product design build uh, and launch. And I think that's been, that's fairly unique in terms of the depth that we go to on that. Presumably you have to pay some attention to the regulators as well. Uh, of course, um, as a fully regulated bank, um, we, we are, um, we're regulated in the same way as your high street bank. And, uh, uh, and we have to be, be very cognizant of that. All our products are, uh, are what we, we try and create fair products from the beginning. Um, and, and so they're very compliant. We don't want, we think a lot of the trust that's broken down in banking has happened because people have tried to put nasty things into products and hide that. And we always felt at the beginning that whilst you could make more money in the short term, those things ultimately catch up with you. And so we've, we've tried to create really good customer products from the off. Um, uh, and I think we've achieved that. Now, back to that funding question that you brought up a minute ago. Is your balance sheet leveraged at all? Or are you 100% funded by, by retail deposits? Um, well, without trying to sound too much like a CFO, because I'm not, um, I think we're, we're, we're leveraged in the ordinary course as a retail savings bank through our use of deposits to fund our loans rather than pure equity. Mm-hmm. Um, however, as we're regulated by the PRA and as a relatively new bank, we have exceptionally high levels of regulatory capital, so makes us very safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so it, 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 in, in that sense, yes. Um, but um, I don't know if that's exactly where you're going on that. Uh, no, that's exactly what I meant. Yeah, you've answered the question. Thank you. Um, now, we, we've touched upon the, on the three products. And to some extent, you've touched upon how you distribute these things. You've referred to digital distributors. So tell us a bit more about your distribution strategy. You're relying on price comparison sites. You mentioned the press, for example. Are there other techniques you use? Um, At the moment, our products, when we think about our products at the design stage, we're clearly thinking about how we're going to to distribute them. Um, it, It made sense for the unsecured lending side to go with the digital distributors. We're going there with our credit card wave to start with, um, but that's a slightly different product as well, where there, there is some brand value in, in a sort of member get member, a referral type thing. And so we will explore some, some of that and maybe even some of the above the line advertising around that particular product. Um, Smart Save, as we've referred to, is, is very much just um, done on the rate and, and playing with the rate tables. So you can see that from a, from a strategy point of view, we think about the distribution at the point of the, the design of the product. Um, that said, obviously, I'll move more into some of the banking as a service where we can offer the white label products. In effect, gives us another channel. Um, and I, start, I look at it as anybody who's got digital customers, whether they're FIs or non-FIs, and wants to try to monetize those as, in, in a different way, we, we are, in effect, there able to, to partner with them. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned you, you come and go from the market according to what makes sense and what doesn't. Do those distributors you use care that you come and go from the market according to your own needs or not? Um, well, we work really closely with our distribution partners, so there shouldn't really be any surprises. Uh, we're always on for lending, um, even through COVID, where others remove products from sale. Live Lens stayed, stayed on, and actually we launched Better Borrow during, during COVID. For Smart Save, we do come in and out of the market. Um, 
based on our liquidity requirements, as many of the deposits takers do. But we don't use any specific distributors for that, so it's not really an issue and we're not paying anybody for that. So from a lending point of view, um, I think if we were turning on and off our lending products into the distributors, then they would become... they'd evaluate whether we were a valued partner in that relationship, but we we don't do that. Um, We're always on from a lending point of view. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're given plenty to sell. How do you reward your distributors? How do you pay them? Uh, It's a similar sort of model to the whole market. So it's commission-based. There are different ways of doing that, but it tends to be on the percentage size of the loan. Um, uh, And then good old, uh, good old, uh, bartering in terms of volumes and everything else that goes with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see it. Um, but but oh. what's interesting is, what is, is interesting in that space is, and what we, we felt would happen back in sort of 15, 16, when we conceived the idea is the, of the number of distributors, the number of ways in which people buy financial service products continue to grow. Um, we don't just walk into our bank, we use the internet. And so that, that there are many, many different digital distributors that are setting up and well-being and financial well-being apps, which, which ultimately need to, need to promote and sell product. Now, one of the ways you distribute is by allowing companies to white label your products. Does that form of distribution undermine the value of your business? Do you ever worry about that? simply because it, you don't own the customer? Um, well, we don't really want to own the customer. Um, we, we, we believe in creating great products that customers love um, for that point in time. But it, the, the concept of owning a customer, I think, is a, is a very um, dated one and, and one that we tried to challenge ourselves at the beginning of, uh, of how we can how we, how we can effectively be sympathetic to not having to own customers in the way that a traditional bank would do. Mm-hmm. Now you, you touched on this earlier, you, you offer these rate reducing loans uh, as somebody's credit rating improves. How do you maintain your spread on loans like that? Um, in the same way that we price the risk up front, um, as the credit score improves, this correlates with reduced loss rates. The live loan reward loan has been live for probably over three years now. So we have a lot of data to estimate reductions, losses, and as a result of the spread. Now, um, you mentioned um, a minute ago, you don't want to own the customer. Um, you're a totally digital bank. You've got no call center. Uh, so you're not lots of people sitting there answering phones from customers who want explanations of things. Do you... And that's clearly part of, of the brand you've built. Do you think you actually lose business as a result of not having a call centre? Are there some sales where somebody just really needs to ring up and you just don't get those sales? We know that digital-only products are not for everyone, um, but there is certainly a sizable proportion of the UK who actually prefer to manage their financial services products online. Um, we tested all of this in research with our target market customers before launch, uh, and we also make it really clear up front. Um, we do actually offer callbacks for customers, and we think that's important that customers can get to somebody. Uh, that, that's particularly important when in lending you've got um, vulnerability that you're looking for, um, and, and there are other edge cases where you have to be able to do that. But 
it's not a matter of course that we stick a big telephone number on and people all call in uh, into our organization, which means we can run a very small operation. But that's working with the more complex parts of the, um, of, of the customer's needs. I'm, I'm getting a strong impression of a, of a, of a, a bank which is different from, from other banks. Do you, how do you categorize yourself? Do you see yourself as a neobank? Do you see yourself as a challenger bank? Or do you see yourself as something different? I mean, what, how do you, people like comparators, don't they? How, what, what comparative category do you put yourselves into? Yeah, we've always found this a tricky one to answer. Um, uh, challenger bank creates an image connected with, I guess, traditional current accounts and a single customer brand. Um, we've come up with a slightly different business model, so it's difficult to compare. Um, our products actually compete against a range of different organizations from mainstream banks to monoline product providers, if you look at some of the card companies. And I think that will continue to happen. The thing that joins our firm up in that sense is the the, the the target customers that we're going for and what we're trying to achieve and help them out is the only thing that joins it up. Um, the products themselves compete against a plethora of different organizations, some that have been around hundreds of years, some that are, 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 are new. So I, I find it a very difficult one. Uh, most, most people put us in the challenger bank category. I think that's got a connotation of trying to compete with somebody um, as a, as a organization against an organization. And I don't think we do that. I think our products compete against a range of different um, other companies' products. Yeah, well, as long as the investors don't mind, I'm sure it's fine. Now, now something else that you, you do is, is you bespoke your own systems. Uh, what's the advantage of doing that as opposed to buying something off the shelf? Yeah, well, we wanted to, back in 15 and 16, it was... Um, pretty early days for financial services into using cloud-based technology. We wanted to use that, it gives us huge amounts of benefits in terms of uh, running costs, scaling, reuse of components and things that we've built. Um, and, and I mean, we're on AWS and, and the speed at which they bring out new tools, machine learning tools that we can apply for, for a relatively small cost um, is all the advantage that we wanted to do back in the day. So we don't, we don't have any of that technical debt that many organizations carry. Um, it also allows a, a key part of our organization, which is how we make that decision. How do we improve on that decision? How do we say more yes to more customers and to customers that work for them and for us? Uh, and it allows our decision science teams to build models, test models, use that experimental test and learn approach to, to improving that all the time. And, and that's where our own technology really, really helps us. And that testing will be important to you as you look to expand the product set. And we've, we've touched upon some of your, your plans to do that. What about geographical growth? Is the model you've developed replicable in international markets as well as the UK market, do you think? I, I, in theory, yes, uh, uh, and maybe something for, for the future for us to think about. Um, clearly, from a, from a starting point of view, technology is all available straight away. Um, so whilst there are other steps you'd have to take, um, the, the model is, um, uh, I, I truly believe, is something that you could go and, and roll out to different territories. Um, 
you've got to go and do your market analysis. You've got to go and find those segments. You've probably got to find some data sources in those in new territories that are, are equivalent to what you've got here in the UK. But once you've achieved that, then um, I think it's very replicable. Now I have to ask you a question about decentralized finance, about uh, DeFi. I have endless conversations with, with people, not all of whom have drunk the Kool-Aid, telling me that DeFi is the is the future of, of banking on the retail and the commercial sides. Do you look at that market? And if you do, do you see anything happening in the lending and borrowing that is going on in DeFi that either intrigues you because it's offering greater savings rates than you are or cheaper lending rates than yours? Or is there anything which, which worries you about what's, what's going on there? And I'm thinking here of things like smart contracts that shop around continuously, you know, these tokens are being moved every few minutes in search of a, of a higher yield. They're open around the clock. Is there anything in DeFi that intrigues you or worries you? Yeah, it's a really interesting place. And one that I personally am uh, uh, interested in and, and have a watching, watching brief for self-interest and, uh, and, and look at it all the time from a Chetwood point of view. I still, I still see mainstream adoption for our, uh, our target customers is a long way off. I follow, follow a lot of it. I'm really interested in things like the Mars Protocol. Uh, and I think getting, getting to uncollateralized lending is still a really tricky area. And if you think about the large part of our, our, our business, which is giving access to, 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 to money, lending money out in a, and taking the risk on that, then, then replicating that in, in, in DeFi is still... It's still not quite being achieved. You can, whilst you can borrow, you're still staking to borrow, um, and that's not that's not how um, that's not how the market works today. Uh, and there's also clearly, as everybody knows, there are a lot of other hurdles. There's government regulation. Established organisations aren't just necessarily going to roll over. But I, I can see it may, maybe on the saving side. Uh, at some point, do we do we start to see um, an exodus in traditional housing and savings rates and the protections that are offered around that by, by government and regulation in effect. Um, that, that's where I think we'd see it first in our business model. Um, I, I can't see it. I can't see the lending side to our target market being one that's undone um, in, in the near future. Mm -hmm. Something else, I, I bet you, you've been accused of, of cherry picking uh, the best customers, but do you ever worry that your business is dependent to some extent on the conventional full service banks uh, continuing to operate as they do and offering your customers these current accounts and uh, supporting the payment rails in terms of um, clearing houses and um, central bank money settlement systems and so on? Uh, and I, I have a sort of supplement to that question, which is, a, do you feel dependent on these banks? But B, more interestingly, perhaps, if those banks disappeared and were replaced by a pure utility, which provided, you know, and this is entirely plausible outcome of a central bank digital currency, we had um, basic current accounts, everyone could have one, uh, and we the payment rails, if you like, were run as a as a as a public utility. Perhaps that would increase the scope for organisations like yours actually to be more innovative rather than less. So there's a, there's a kind of um, difficult question, uh, are you dependent, but also a hopeful question in the sense that 
if we had a utility, would actually be able to do more and more interesting things. Yeah, I'd love it. In many ways, I think back in my old consulting days, I did propose that um, post the 2008 crash. Um, <laughs> but um, on one level of a mechanism for moving money, current accounts isn't our business. It's not the core of our business model. We're not in it as a, uh, we're not making money out of a transaction banking in sense in that way. Um, so ours is a, it's, it's a lending uh, business in that. It's a, it's a we operate, we, we make our money as an organization through net interest margin. It's, as, it's quite simple as that. And if, if, you, if you make the payment rails um, a utility, then we just access that and we'd be able to access our customers um, through that mechanism. But somebody's got to take the risk of a decision. And, and that's at the core of what our business is. And that's what we're using data and um, a, a new technology to, to do better and better and, and continuously learn um, to do a better job with. And if you focus on that, then what you're using the rest of the ecosystem for, if that improves, if that gets better, then that's only a good thing. Um, so I, 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 I don't see it as a, I certainly don't worry about it in that sense. Um, I, I see opportunity there, like you, like you previously mentioned, though, if we, if we do start to see something like that. Now, talking of data and using data to, to understand your customers, you touched on this earlier as well, uh, when you talked about your digital distributors are able to access uh, a lot more and richer data about customers because of the open data initiative. So let's imagine the marketplace moves towards an open data model. And it's one in which consumers like you and me, we own our own data, we choose who gets to see which parts of that, that data we own. Do you think that given your um, exploitation, if you like, of, of customer data to do what you do, is that gonna be good for your business, better for your business, if you like, or is it, is it potentially threatening to your business in some way because it empowers other organizations to do something similar is open data yeah. bad for you really is what i'm asking yeah as, as i think i've mentioned earlier dominic i totally applaud it um i don't believe businesses own customer data because customers own customer data um in many ways our business is set up for this the customer needs really only to share details with us whilst they have our product we we, we don't we aren't creating a relationship whilst we'd like them to come back for um, more of our products in the future. Um, we're not creating a relationship which says we own you. Um, they can cease to share their data in effect with us when they don't have a product, which I think is how the world will start to move um, as we get ownership into to real customers' hands. And the idea that corporates can track customers into them. I think I've said before many times that mm -hmm. I think the only people that... Um, that own customers are Apple. <laughs> I think they're very good at owning customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't make you happy. You're actually saying something very radical there um, about uh, relationships between companies and and, and customers. Um, anyway, I, I think I think it's I think if you if you extend that and you can control the sharing of your own data and you can expire that use of that data with a corporate with a financial institution like ours when you're not getting a product then guess what it also does? It, it makes me want to share more to get a better product. And if you think about it in those terms, then you're creating a relationship which uses data, which the customer is in control of, and they're doing it for a purpose and a reason. I think that, that seems to make a lot of sense. It sounds radical, but actually does make a lot of sense. You can, If I share all my open banking or I share my shopping data or whatever you want to share with somebody, and they can say, because you've done that, I can make a better risk decision, 
I can offer you a lower rate, I can offer you more to lend to, then that makes sense to me. Now, one of the uses of, of customers' data will be to prove that they are, who they say they are, they're not a money launderer or a terrorist or a sanctioned person. I, I don't know how large those KYC, AML, CFT sanction screening checks loom in your business, but are you a believer in digital identities? Do you think they'd help rather than hinder your growth? As a I think I think they would really help. I've got to say, um, the uh, a lot of a lot of the friction in any journey of buying our product, if you think about what our underlying product is, is about identity. It's about knowing the person. It's about making sure that they are the right person, um, and you can you can definitely confirm that. And and that is um, whilst there are increasing numbers of very very good APIs out there you have to be on top of that one all the time. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a pretty big part of our journey, which in effect, if you were to strip that out and you could take a, you could take a guarantee of that, then we could get straight to the actual distribution of the product, mm-hmm. then that has to be a good thing. I take the cost out of my, <laughs> uh, uh, my firm and we get probably an increased number of people through there because there's always going to be people who aren't getting through who should be getting through because of the the databases that they're flagging on the fuzzy matching around some of that um so uh, i i'd I'd love it um if we could get to that right the final question for you which is about where this is all going to to end in a sense uh as i said at the outset you've been supported by elliot from the beginning they have investors they'll presumably want an exit one day uh, but you might want to grow the, the business endlessly. What form would you like the exit of Elliot to take? What's your vision of the future of where Chetwood is, is going? Well, I think this really goes right back to the beginning. We set Chetwood up to make customers better off. It had the purpose. It wasn't about building a bank. It was about creating a purpose which helps um, make some customers better off and using technology to do that. That's a pretty broad purpose when you actually unpick it. Uh, and I like that we have that at the top of our house because um, it can evolve in many ways, probably long after the founders, myself and Andy, have, uh, are both not in the firm, but other people can be using that purpose to create things. We've talked about DeFi there. Well, our purpose doesn't stop us going into that world. It doesn't stop us going into other worlds where we can use technology to make people better off. And that's what I I do like about um, the firm right at the heart of it. It was never a start here, build, bank, finish type story. Um, um, As for Elliot, um, great support. We had really good support from them since effectively late 17. Uh, And I'm sure at some point they will look to do something. Uh, But as as with all of these things, that'll be when the timing's right, time is right for them. Um, It's not something that's um, high on the agenda at the moment. Just I'm being a bit greedy now, but- That's okay. You've said a couple of interesting things. Uh, One is that you don't want to own customers. The other is that you have a purpose. Uh, The implication of both those things is that, that, a, you have a different relationship with the customer. B, the making of the money is a kind of, um, you're making money obliquely. Uh, you're not in business to make money. That's not the purpose of what you're doing. The purpose is to create great products for these customers and, and, and grow the business and, and, and create value. But the money is not the way of, that's not the objective, is it? 
Well, you're it, a different we, type we, of company, yeah. We we believe, and if you think about it, um, there's, there's a few of us that are a bit gray hair or no hair around the table, and we've been through a few Trying financial services. <laughs> a few financial services crashes. We've we've been through the a lack of trust in in banking and look the response to that in the past has been from large organizations to say no trust us um, let's build trust together we try and build trust with our customers by the use of our products by them having our products and if you if you create that relationship in that sense then I think that's real rebuilding of trust within the system as opposed to well, now that doesn't mean we're here for free we're not a charity um, and we've got to we've got to make sure that that triangle works of being able to do a good thing for customers in the right way, shareholders and employees all at the same time. And and it's it's that balance of being able to do that that we've always um, we've always I think had a good crack at trying to to make work. Mm-hmm.